I'm so excited for this, Jess. Me too. It's way overdue at this point. So I guess, hello world. Hello everyone. Yes, we are coming to you from my fabulous kitchen. Yes. <laughs> I am Jessica Molina. And I'm Yarel Ramos. And this is our very new, very fabulous podcast. Wait, Wait hold, hold up. up. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the thing. I mean, we're going to be putting you on last, people. Seriously. Exactly. Or or like putting the world, the on, world last. on last. <laughs> First of all, I guess a little bit of background about Yarel and myself. Yes. We are both journalists and we are homegirls. So it was like this perfect blend to be like, hey, we care about what's going on in the world. We care about politics, but we also care about pop culture and some like sillier stuff. Let's find our space where we can just have that platform and have those conversations that we feel like a lot of people aren't having necessarily. And that people want to hear, not just like women like ourselves, but um, communities in this country, in the world, that want to hear the voices of young women being empowered and trying to create a movement of other women as well being empowered and just sharing, you know, sharing our experiences, things that we care about, things that are um, that are kind of calling our attention. Exactly, exactly. And Yarel and I both work in the like, well, she works in the Spanish market and I work in the Latina American market. And I think we're both Latina, but this is not necessarily a space for just Latinas. So if you're not welcome, yeah, you're welcome, welcome here. <laughs> it's all love. Exactly. There might be some extra R rolling, but other than that, <laughs> like you're right. We're happy you're here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> So again, it's the whole podcast is way hold up, and that is the name is inspired by us, just how we speak, right? Like we're in this space, and we're like, wait, what is going on? Hold up, rewind. Let's have a conversation. Let's right. backtrack a little bit, right. and you know, we see that there are a lot of different conversations happening in the world right now, and we want to be a part of it, and we want you guys to be a part of it with us, so um, we will keep you informed on what we're doing and where you can contact us and oh, all that yeah. jam. Your voice sounded so sexy right now. Oh, I want to get to that level. <laughs> uh, actually, I do feel very empowered in this role right now. I'm not going to lie. Um, other than that, we are going to have a new podcast every week. Yes, and I mean, we got this fancy ass equipment for, for oh my a reason. God. You guys don't even want to. We have to upload a photo or something because we are pretty legit right now. OK, exactly. <laughs> like, wait, hold up. Just check out our mics. <laughs> That's so true. This ain't not, this ain't no voice note, y'all. Yeah, this is like legit. And also for everyone to check us out on all our social, which mm-hmm. is on Instagram. Wait, hold up. Podcast. Uh, we're going to be posting some really cool things. Uh, let us know what you like. Let us know what you'd like to hear or. Or, you know, what conversations you would like uh, to even be included if there's any if there's any out there. So we're going to start this off. And I think probably something that we're going to do every week, but uh, that standby, we'll see, um, <laughs> is start off with something on the lighter side. Um, obviously, this has been an intense week. There's been a lot going on. But before we, dri- we dive into all that, we want to talk about skincare. Yes, because we are obsessed with, well, yeah, I'm obsessed with skincare. I'm yes. Admit it. Yeah. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> See, I want How to How was your be... facial, by the way? Oh, it was fabulous. Okay. I haven't had a facial in three years. I feel like every what? skincare person yes. is like, what? Well, you know, I I moved here, like, so I'm originally from, like, New Jersey, um, born in New York, raised in Jersey, and I moved here, like, two and a half years ago, to, and here is Los Angeles, California, and it's, like, to find anyone who's, like, your person is really, really hard. Like finding your dentist, finding your doctor. And it's like, on top of that, I didn't want to find like 
the facial, the, the you know, the esthetician to the stars. I'm like, I don't got the stars money. I'm right. good. Yeah. So yeah. it almost feels like you, when you're in that world, you've kind of got to find the right person. So I know it's really bad. I am not a good skincare person, but now I'm in my thirties. I want to be all about skincare. Of so course. I'm like, want to take lessons from Yarel and be like, Tell you me your secret. Load it up, girl. Put on everything you can. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I went yesterday and she's like, you know, I have pretty good skin. She actually does. Thanks, like, guys. Yeah. Thanks. So I'm like, I mean, I didn't, my mom, like, I wasn't allowed to wear makeup till I was 16. Right here, girl. Yeah. I think I got to give it to my mom for that. Exactly. So mom was like, nope, not happening. So like now, even to this day, like, I don't know how to put on a lot of makeup. Right. I don't like... Like, Yadel's on TV, so she has to, like, her makeup is done to the glam every single day. Which, as I which I, might, I must say, though, I like it to a certain extent. You know, it's like every girl likes to be mm-hmm. glammed up. But when it's, like, every day of the week, literally, like, comes the, come the weekend, I want to have, like, nothing on my face. Mm-hmm. Because as much as I do love that feeling, I'm like, oh, my God, look how beautiful I look with all this makeup. It's also like, no, I just want to feel, like, nothing on my face. Like, I just want to feel my face be clean and shining from like oils that are just naturally trying to exude from my pores exactly yeah no it's like when I do get my makeup done I feel like I'm like especially if it's like intense it's like I'm a little stiff right now I can't move too much (laughs) so it's like at most now it's like I'll do like bronzer my SPF whatever and so you know when I was speaking with the my esthetician yesterday she's just like she's telling me which products I'm using I shouldn't be using and which ones I should continue and all of this stuff and she's like very much about like it everyone has to think about their skincare as it is like a fingerprint you know it is so individual and so unique and I think that's really interesting because there's a lot of beauty bloggers I follow on Instagram who like do a bunch of stuff that I could never do ever because I'm like not that talented but um recently Pharrell just came who's 44 and looks 15 yeah he could he could he could literally play a role of a high schooler I I mean right a hundred percent he ages and you're like wait what's going on bro like what are you doing what are you drinking homie why is this backwards why is this backwards why is nothing (laughs) what are you using I know exactly and so he was he was interviewed in dazed magazine and they were basically like everyone wants to know like what do you do what is your secret and he's like I exfoliate like a madman when you exfoliate and you drink a lot of water that does good for you to me the key is just exfoliating like a monster (laughs) there's a lot of dead skin all the time like a narcissistic (laughs) madman wow I loved it that is the most intense quote about exfoliating I've ever heard in my entire life so now we know his secret I'm going to go to the store right now and buy every exfoliant I could possibly find. (laughs) But you know what? I actually do agree with him because, I mean, I feel like I I, I am a little, I am a little obsessed with skincare. So I'm always trying to find like, oh, what's this? What's more than anything with like taking care of it from the outside. I'm not really good about, you know, injecting. I don't, I'm, that's like a world that really scares me. Mm -hmm. Just like really taking care of it from the outside. And have you ever tried the Korean body scrubs? No. Okay. So basically you go into this spa naked and then you go into this like tub of water and then you soak your, you know, like your skin, your body. And then you lay down on this bed, on this bed with this Korean lady scrubbing your body down. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Like the first time I went, it was like chunks and chunks of dead skin, like just crawling down the bed. I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm like, I promise I, I, I promise I shower. (laughs) I promise. 
But that sounds painful. It it actually isn't. It, I I thought so too. I thought it was gonna be like ooh, ugh. but it's like a crazy like I don't know loofah they use with yeah. like this weird soap and just scrub down your 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 skin and it's literally t- getting rid of all this dead skin all oh. over your body. And I mean, from every, they put you in like every position, you turn around side, you know, like laying down. And it's so true because it's like, we, we carry so much, just like, like so much just dead skin all over. Like I can only imagine our faces that we pound on all these other things. That's true. Daily. So I must give it to him. Like I do agree. And I'm so glad that he came out saying something like this. See, and, but then this goes back to like the personalized element. Cause mm. like about a few weeks ago, actually at this point, like a month, Sama Hayek was interviewed by the New York times. Who also, she also who's has like amazing. 51 yeah, years old. And like this woman. Yeah. And she basically says, um, she said, I don't, over exfoliate exfoliating a lot mm. may make you look good in the short term but not i think in the long term so okay i'm like oh this is complicated <laughs> like wait hold up sama you do not agree with pharrell so i'm like gonna find like this happy medium between pharrell and between sama i mean the biggest thing i think i need to fix in my life is drinking more water yeah that that for sure is important <clears throat> but i mean you i like what you said about it being so much like more about being personalized with what you want with what you need I mean every everyone's different even when she said about it oh it makes people look shiny it makes sense I see a lot of girls walking around in LA shiny <laughs> as like sun and you're like whoa girl you got and you don't even know where it's coming from but you know what I also like that she said like she's also very she's not that crazy about oh I use um you know all these crazy like oh I spritz rose water and it takes the skin away I I take off my makeup with coconut oil I loved that I'm like girl which is so smart because I have to do that with my eye makeup because it's like I feel like most of the time even if I wash my face at night and use an eye makeup remover there's still like those like mascara crusties like right under your eye gotta go (laughs) exactly so like (laughs) coconut water is coconut water is life coconut water I mean not coconut water well first of all coconut water is amazing but coconut oil is to do everything with it like yes so, okay all I, over i love sama so we'll take the we'll take the the tips from her and from pharrell exactly for sure. well and that's we'll just make it like our own individual and find your thing and if you guys have any like yes i'm all about exfoliating or actually no or if you like make your own exfoliators like that i did that the other day with like coconut oil and brown sugar i feel, I think it was a little mm. too abrasive for my skin because it was for like that face? like yeah it was like really like coarse brown okay like brown sugar but I feel like there's so many good natural ways to do it. You don't have to like go out and buy anything expensive. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, that was our something light, guys. Um, and now we're going to move on to the... A little s- more heavy. Something mega. Wait, hold up. Because yeah. what is happening? What's going on <laughs> with the world? You know, I must say, I, I posted something the other day on my Instagram. Because I got out of work. And I just f- had one of those days where I just felt like I'm like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. Like so overwhelmed with everything that's going on with the in the world, like not just like these natural. This was the day that that the earthquake happened, and it was you know when you're in a newsroom, like it's like an overflow of information. I mean, you know it. Sometimes like you get a, a dozen emails from the same thing. You're like, oh my god, it's like what's going on. I felt like this has been one of those weeks where I every time I've stepped into the newsroom at work. I'm like exhausted. I get out of there after eight hours and I'm exhausted because of the of the content. Because of like not so much like the workload, but of all the information that you have to take in that is not that it's like not the, the best of the news. You know, it's like every day there's been something tragic or there's been something awful or there's been something sad. Right. And I'm like, geez, Louise, like when are we going to get a break? 
Exactly. Um, and I think it started off on, on Tuesday. I got back from New York Monday night and I came back to the newsroom and it was like the whole deal we've been waiting for the president that everybody was expecting him to already terminate this program, which, uh, which was the DACA program. Right. Uh, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Um, and for, for all, uh, you know, I feel like also there's a lot of people that don't know what this program was. Um, and you know, I, just being in the, in this newsroom, it kind of like forced me to really dive myself in it and be like, not only be exposed to a lot of these students that have benefited from it, but all these families that are going to oh be gosh. hurt from it. Um, so just to get, give you guys a little bit of background, um, you know, DACA was created as a new policy in uh, 2012 under President Obama, and it was an executive order. It wasn't a law. It wasn't, you know, he kind of overpassed the law because it, it was a whole the whole dilemma of like immigration reform. They couldn't get it passed through Congress. Right. Congress just and it's been like I feel like years that it's like immigration reform, immigrate even from like George Bush immigration reform, and nothing happens. So I feel like he he had it. He just was like, okay, that's it. It's it's done, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this executive order because I need to help these kids out. And I must say, I was I was listening to to an interview of his a while a few days ago, and he said he's like, listen, when I when I was on the campaign trail, and when even when I was a president, I would meet with young students everywhere I went, everywhere. If I would go to like Singapore, I would meet with young people. If I would go to uh, South America, I would meet with young. If, if I would be in South Dakota, I would always make to meet young people. And he was just really like um, shaken by the by the Dreamer movement, by, you know, in 2012 when Dreamers were trying to have a voice here, they couldn't work. They couldn't go to school. They couldn't get a driver's license. And they were kids that were brought from other countries, I mean, all over the world, when they were, I think, younger than 16 or, or um, yeah, 16, I think, was eight. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean when they were under program. 16, they had to have been brought to the U.S. before they were 16. 16. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, this program that has helped so many really just young kids in this country. And a lot of them didn't know that they were undocumented until crazy? they, like, applied for financial aid for college right. or like went to go get their driver's license. You know what's crazy, Jess? Like when I was in high school, I remember, you know how they plan out those um, uh, winter or like those senior trips and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, the senior trip's going to be to Europe or whatnot. That's when I remember like realizing, oh, wait, oh, what, what, well, Maggie or like, you know, Susie, why can't you go? And it's like, oh, because I can't. Well, why? Uh, because I can't wow. get out of this country. And I'm like, and I remember looking back and be like, oh, man, I forgot that a lot of people in this community huh. are struggling with this. And that's when, I mean, for me, I looking back on it, I, like you say, it's not like you go and ask people, hey, let me see your birth certificate. Um, that's when it hit me like, oh, my God, I forgot that this is affecting a lot of kids. That's why they're not even going to college. That's so They're valedictorians yeah. and they cannot go to college. They're not. Or, you know, they're going to be happy. They're, they're going to get a job at like Chuck E. Cheese, even though they're, they, you know, they're crazy they're smarter than smart. most of them. Yeah, they're smarter than me. <laughs> exactly. So right now what's happened is obviously, first of all, Trump didn't even come out and announce this. He had Which to, was like, I don't know. It was like, homie, really? Because from he's been like, I have such a heart for these kids. I have such a heart for these kids. Which what I, he like came back and then he was like, you know, they're not really kids. Yeah. They're young adults. And I was watching like the Daily Show with Trevor Noah and he was like, oh, he's not, these aren't kids. But when Don Jr., who's like 39 years old, does something all messed up, he's like, oh, that's, he's such a good kid. It's like, really, bro? Like, yeah. like where's the parameter of like, what's a kid and what's not a kid? Exactly. It's like mom, like my mom says, "Cuando te conviene, you're it's, it's like that's when you'll say it." Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so 
ultimately, I think what matters here and what we should think about is that the average DACA recipient was brought here when they were six years old. So if, you know, you can think about what you were doing at six, I can't even remember, which is probably like a good (laughs) indicator that you were not in control of like the decisions that were being made around you. So uh, uh, the average um, child was brought here when they were six years old. Like Yadel said, they had to have been here, like been brought here when they were under the age of 16. So they were just in their parents' jurisdiction. Like their parents were determining like where they would end up. So now there's about 800,000 dreamers that are in the United States. And I also feel like it's really important that we say like, yes, the majority of them are from Mexico. There's a good amount from El Salvador. But there's also some from like the Philippines, from South Korea, from Poland. Like they are, there are like... Yeah, right. from Nigeria. Like there yeah. are people from like around the world that are being affected by this. So this is not necessarily a Latino issue. Exactly. And I, it really is annoying that like the conversation of immigration in general is so like like Latino focused. Right. Because that isn't that those aren't the only people who like migrate to this country. Exactly. But that's a, that's a sidebar. <laughs> so that could be a, that's going to be another conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Something you know. Something that you pointed out too was like. These, uh, you know, when we look at the at the um, at the reality, it's like let's get a reality check here for, about these kids. Like, who are they? Right? What are they doing? Dude, ninety one percent are working. Ninety three percent. I mean, ninety seven percent are in school. Like, are you kidding me? Well, this yeah, ninety seven percent are in school, school or, or employed. Working. It's like mm-hmm. this is. I mean, we're talking about these kids that are doing something with their lives and that are somehow contributing to society, to the economy. Um, a lot of them are not even, it's like the whole idea of like, oh, they're criminals or, you know, criminalizing these kids. It's like, no, I mean, a huge percentage of, that's, that's one of the, re, that's one of the ways that they, you can, you can get DACA. Like you cannot have a criminal record at all. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, you cannot criminalize them because. They're not. They haven't. And even this, I think I saw a post on Twitter that someone, someone who I love, I think it was Ana Navarro, who's a Republican, like, uh, political commentator on, on CNN. She said something like, oh, you know, like, yeah, it, it was like they broke the law. And it's like, no, they didn't. Like, maybe their parents broke the law. But I think I want to look back and I know there's like, it was this deposition about who did what. And it was right. like, at the end of the day, it was like, no, they were not breaking the law. They were underage. Yeah. It's not like they're like, I'm five mom. No, we're breaking the law by <laughs> crop. <laughs> you know, I'm coming from Haiti and I'm breaking the law. Like, no, that does not yeah. happen. So it, it's like this whole idea and this whole com- of like, you know, just criminalizing, even like with the, when Jeff Sessions announced the termination of the program, calling them like illegal aliens. Like that I just, hate that term that with just all of my totally heart. like just, I wanted to like, I don't, I didn't know. I'm like, how do I feel about this? I'm like, I do not like it at all. No. Like, why? Well, Jeff Sessions just is like a a horrible person who has a history of doing things against people of color in general. And I think it's really interesting that we are in this space where we're criminalizing these young people who had no control of their destiny in that sense and no control of where they were being led. And this is following the heels of Joe Arpaio being pardoned, pardoned, who is an actual criminal who legit called his 
um his jails or not even i mean this was like his out the The where he like well he called him a concentration camp like where he kept people that were suspected of being undocumented immigrants he called it a concentration center like people were in 150 degree weather dying not getting proper like women were not getting proper like uh, medical care neither were the men like it was just like one of those things like this was a savage vicious man and he was just pardoned but now we're looking at like oh well these aren't these aren't kids anymore like they you know like you can't just like come here and then get all this like given to you it's like what are you what are you talking about like exactly like you said like they're contributing a chief economist estimated that five years after a DACA repeal that the nation's gross domestic product would be 105 billion dollars less than it would be if the uh, if the program stays in place and also believe that like I mean, where, where are all my people that are that care about money? Right? Like, like all of a sudden, like, let's grow our economy. Yeah, stand, yeah raise your hand and, like, speak up. Mm-hmm. And even 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 with that being said, Jess, like, to me, one of my biggest worries about this whole ordeal, it's like, yeah, they're giving Congress some time to, like, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to legalize? Are we going to pass something, uh, uh, something, you know, obviously more important and bigger than the dream, than, than DACA? But it's like, they, now they have all other information, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have where they live. They know where they live. They know where they it's go to terrifying. school. Right. We did a story the other day of a family that had five DACA students, oh like five gosh. DACA recipients in their house. Like it was heartbreaking. And it's like, okay, so a lot of these kids are like, well, you know, if it's going to be so problematic to like, um, this whole campaign that we've built for this dream, you know, these dreamers, this like, um, that we've so much work that we've done. Like I might as well go back to a country that I've never been to because obviously I can't leave the country that I, I don't know, maybe to a language that I don't even speak. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and what's going to happen. I mean, you think their parents are going to be like, yeah, sure. Take, you know, see you later. No, you know, you're I'm, uprooting entire families that are like tax paying that are contributing to totally. society. And it's interesting because the idea of like, putting this back on Congress, I mean, Trump basically is trying he, he cares so much what people think about him and he wants to be sympathetic. I mean, like, I feel like there's some statistic that either like 72% or 75% of the country is in favor of DACA. That's mm-hmm. like across like party lines. Right. And so for him, he, he does not want to be hated in any capacity. And so after Jeff Sessions makes this announcement because he didn't do it, he then tweets later in the week, for all of those DACA that are concerned about your status during the six-month period, you have nothing to worry about. No action. Which that no action, I, doesn't, I don't get what that yeah. means at all. Like, yeah. he's insinuating that he ha- that he will work to pass, like, well, the, right now there's the DREAM Act in Congress and the Senate, mm-hmm. and he's, although nothing is, no steps have been taken to, to, to bring it to the floor and to vote on it, so I get that there's like this insinuation of like, I'm going to have your back. But then it's like, but with what, with what's tied to it? Like, is this then I'm only going to have your back if people give me money for my wall, which has been like, which everyone says is a pointless, useless mm-hmm. um, thing to build. Or I'm going to have your back no matter what, because right. I just want to see this become a law. I want to see that you're permanently saved and, and protected. Yeah. Like, does he care more about them or does he care about actually ha- you know, making something happen finally. Right. In exactly. His first year. And even, I think he also tweeted something like, Oh, um, if nothing happens, I'm like, I'm giving Congress six months, uh, to figure something out. If not like in, in March, which would be the six months, uh, I will take a look at DACA once again. And it's like, okay, um, what, I mean, 
you, what does that what, mean? What does that mean? Then why yeah. terminate it in the first place? Why not give Congress like, yeah. guys, let's get to work about uh, on this. Mind you, Congress, I'm sure are like on overload right now. Oh my God, they have so much to going do. on. It's like, fine, get, get to work on this as well. But, um, n- don't just automatically right now give the give these kids like oh you guys have no way out. that's the uncertainty of it all like it's like you're just playing with people's futures right. and and it feels like you're playing with them based off of approval ratings and 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 it's unnecessary and and really scary i mean you know it's scary for a lot of the people who who are just don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. I mean, obviously not necessarily tomorrow, tomorrow, but who don't know what can happen six months. And there was an article I was reading in Vox that basically said for some people it can be, they can have their DACA status until 2020. For other people, it could be this um, coming March in March, 2018, where that's it. That's the end. So it really is just putting so many people in a space of uncertainty. And I think something that I know you've heard and you were telling me is that people have to be very diligent about sent. So they're not accepting any new applications for DACA. So if you wanted to apply, like, unfortunately, that window has closed. But if you do have DACA right now, you need to put in your request for a two year renewal ASAP like this is not something I'm a procrastinator like with all the time right here I have a to-do list of like two pages yeah it's so (laughs) so bad um but this is not the thing to procrastinate with like it's your future it is it is your job it is your school it is your scholarship it is all of that stuff that is literally in the the in the folds of this so what is it by October 5th 2017 they're accepting application yeah for the renewal and is that like you have to mail it before? It's, yeah, it's 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 got like they they have the department like or the Department of Immigration has to receive that application with the money for the renewal, which I think it's like four hundred dollars for hundred and something dollars. All the documents that they require, whether you know you're going to school, whether you're working, you know all, all the information, and everything has to be right. Like they cannot receive a document something that is if you wrote your name wrong oh my gosh like it's over don't play yourself yeah do not play yourself like, <laughs> like this is make like, sure every <laughs> i is dotted every t is crossed you have initialed where pass you need that to. application to through a few people to just yes. like over to see it make sure that everything's correct make sure that check does not bounce back because it's over exactly um, and those are the dates that you know are october 5th is and it's got to be like they have to receive it. it's not like you could send it on october 5th right. which i'm really worried that we're gonna you know, unfortunately, because we know mi gente. I know. We know. We guys. always leave things for the last minute. It's like, no, you cannot leave this for the last minute. Right. You got to make sure that tomorrow morning you get all your stuff together and you put it in the mail and it's gone and it's ready to go so that you can at least have those two years. Whether and then a lot of things can happen in those two years. Exactly. It's just it's not a risk worth taking at all. And I know that there are individuals and corporations that are like, coming together to help funds pe- to fund oh, people's like application renewals exactly because like 465 i think it's like 465 to 500 dollars. so that's not cheap obviously and some people just can't pull that that's like dipping into their rent or their yeah. car or whatever it may be or like i mean school just started so you probably just pay like tuition or something books and it, oh my god college books yeah are so god <laughs> can we do like digital books i know no. so if you don't have the money and that's what's holding you out like honestly look ask around do a gofundme look just find out corporations that are like giving money because they're definitely out there and it's really like don't count yourself out do not feel defeated like there are people like 
us who are advocating for you guys, who are obviously going to make sure like we're continuing to put pressure on Congress. We're continuing to say like, this is not something that you guys can kick the can down the road on this one. You have to act. We need to see um, like changes like ASAP. And like the Democrats are like, are committed to quote unquote working with Trump. I mean, they're like working with him right now. (laughs) So like, I know exactly. (laughs) So hopefully the only thing is like that we don't get jerked by like Republicans because even Paul Ryan is like, He's 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 like I'm also encouraged by the fact that he gave us time to work out a consensus to find a compromise because these kids don't for the most don't know any other home than the United States. If he knows that, you're very cognizant of the fact that like if we kick these kids out, then they are going to a place that they have that they're not familiar with. Just by putting that statement out there, like you're already saying, I know that we it would be really heartless for us to do them wrong. But the thing is, is like there's so much lip service. So oh, God, especially coming from that guy, I feel like I cannot. Oh trust my that gosh. Guy. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. And he's a Packer fan, so I don't know about that. <laughs> and then lastly, uh, just just with you saying about like advocating, I feel like they should not be afraid you know like there's so many movements out there and so many kids that are putting their stories out so that like listen this is who we are like don't be afraid of it either like you've got your community backing you up you have all these people that all these organizations um all these you know people like all, all around the country so don't be afraid to be out there and make you know your voice heard and you're a representative of this whole movement and you know we've got your back absolutely and We were fortunate enough to have some DACA recipients share their stories with us and to, you know, let us know and let you guys know what their experience has been like from the moment they were able to get DACA and how that's changed their life and their ability to work and um, pursue an education. So we want to give you guys a chance to listen to their stories. My name is Sustino Mora. I'm co-founder of Undocumedia and I'm 28 years old. I am originally from Mexico. Uh, from a town at Levantla, Estado de Mexico. It's about 15 miles north of Mexico City. I came to the U.S. with my two siblings and my mom in the summer of 2000, and we came escaping extreme poverty and domestic violence. It was a really life, you know, changing experience given that all that I knew in Mexico was completely different here in the U.S. I definitely lived in fear growing up here in the U.S. because I sometimes we would see reports in the news of people getting detained, of of immigration officers going to people's homes and taking them. So I definitely lived with fear of being separated from my siblings, from my mom. I always knew that um, I was undocumented. Um, so when I, w- I went to high school, I knew what that meant. I knew that my mom had told me from day one, my mom was very clear, very transparent with my siblings and I, that we were going to be undocumented here in the US. And that would bring a lot of challenges, a lot of obstacles. And as a result, we needed to work three times as harder as everyone else to be able to move ahead. So when I went to high school, that's exactly what I had in my mind. I knew that uh, I had to be the best student, whatever, whatever cat, whatever thing I decided to do, I needed to be one of the best, uh, because that was the only way to be able to find opportunities to move ahead. So that's what I ended up doing, and because education, learning was something that I'm that I really enjoyed, it was for me relatively easy to uh, to excel in school. I ended up graduating the top five percent of my class. I took as many honor classes that I could. 
I took advanced placement courses. I was a captain of my cross-country track and field teams. And in addition to that, I was involved in my church. I was part of the youth group, and I was one of the co- uh, co-chairs of my youth group. So I was doing that on the weekends, on Saturdays, and then on Sundays, and also on Saturdays during the day, I would go to the swap meet, to the flea market, to uh, work for a couple of hours and try to make some money to help my family pay for the bills, but most importantly, to cover my own expenses because I didn't want to be a drag on my family and my mom. So that's what I was doing on the weekends. And I did this because I uh, genuinely, I you know, believe in the notion that working hard uh, led to better things. Uh, I didn't think that immigration status was a huge obstacle if you demonstrated the capacity and the ability to get things done and to move ahead in life. Uh, and I, you know, that that, that reality uh, changed when, you know, I was in 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 junior was when I was a junior in high school and also a senior in high school. And I realized that it didn't it was it didn't matter that I had done so well in school. It was still going to be even more difficult. Because at that point in time, in 2007, the California Dream Act did not exist, DACA did not exist, and I had to figure out other ways to go to college, pay for school, uh, work, drive, and, and, and do all of that without being targeted because of my immigration status. I couldn't give up just because those things did not exist. I wasn't going to let a system of oppression determine how I lived my life. So I decided that I was going to continue regardless, that I was going to go to college, get an education, and figure out a way to pay for school. Uh, so that's what I ended up doing. Uh, I couldn't attend my dream school. My dream school. I wanted to become an aerospace engineer, and uh, I wanted to go to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, UCSB, UCSD. Those different schools accepted me, but I, I ended up going to community college because of the lack of financial resources. When DACA was announced, I was one of the first people in the country to apply and be uh, uh, granted uh, the work permit. I was uh, the ninth, the person number 19 to receive DACA in the country. And as soon as that, as soon as I got my work permit, I, I posted it online. I remember I posted it on my Facebook wall and I said, hey, I, I'm, I'm officially DACA-mented. Um, just to also illustrate the fact that DACA is temporary and can be taken at any point in time and it changed my life significantly I was able to buy a car I was able to get a driver's license I got a social security number I was able to apply to credit cards I was able to get a couple of jobs and most importantly it helped take away that concern and worry of traveling or even driving and not having to worry about what what could happen to me if I get detained or pulled over, uh, I might get deported. So that, that fear, that concern uh, vanished away, but it doesn't mean that it vanished away completely because DACA, again, is only temporary. You know, at the current moment, it, it feels like a roller coaster with the announcement of the termination of DACA. Uh, however, I feel inspired, I feel motivated, I feel uh, strong, I feel you know, looking at the other people, looking at the other undocumented youth, I went to several protests on the day of the announcement and then on the days after the announcement and just seeing the energy, the resilience of other undocumented young individuals, 
it is really empowering and, and that's the feeling that I feel right now. I feel mad, I feel angry, but I also feel motivated, I feel empowered to continue fighting for the community. And at the current moment, my dream is to continue fighting not only to uh, you know, help other undocumented youth, but to fight for the rights of the 11 million undocumented immigrants because no one is free until everyone is free. And it, that is the reason why it is our personal responsibility to fight for everyone, to fight for the 11 million undocumented immigrants. And if you're on the opposite side of the spectrum with, you know, you're not, you know, you're privileged enough to not have to deal with any of this at all, um, then, you know, read about it, learn about mm-hmm. it and reach out and go out to these these protests and manifestations and learn about what these kids are going through so that they can also have voices from the outside. Because, exactly. you know, they have, yeah, they have us and all these community leaders that are like backing them up. But it will be great if there's people that have nothing to do with them or th- with their struggle to also be a voice for them, you know, 100%. and to stand, stand with them. So, um, yeah, with that being said, like this was our first podcast. Oh, well. oh my God. We did it. Yay. Uh, and nothing broke and nothing crazy happened. Nothing. So that's great. I know. And we are just so, so thankful that you guys tuned in and and you know we hope that you just go on this journey with us we want to be people who can engage with our society engage with what's happening and have the conversations that you normally would have with your friends like just think of us as your homies like we just want to be in on the fun we're all homies we're We're all all friends make sure to subscribe yes make sure to subscribe and share and you can follow us on instagram at wait hold up podcast and there you'll be able to find yada and my personal accounts as well so you can keep in the loop with us and you know it won't always be just us there will be fabulous guests that are on the show as well so stay tuned because you never know who's coming at you man (laughs) actually that was like my cardi b and if cardi b wants to be on this podcast i I feel like i honestly would not be able to keep up with her she would be running circles around me and i'd be like that's fine that's fine that's fine here are the mic here's the mic i know exactly just go for it exactly um but that's it You know, this is way hold up. And we hope that you guys have a fabulous week. See ya. Bye.